Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsparts.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. Good evening. We are here, Raw Pet Medics. Great to be with you. We are going to be discussing a, a paper uh, that's been published recently, uh, talking and it's and it's and is it anti? It's it's trying to be balanced, but actually it's anti. It's it's mm. it's, it's uh, derogatory. It's demeaning. There are no references, and I don't think it's great science. I'm really happy with people criticizing constructively with scientific fact raw food please bring it on i want to hear that because then we can develop our argument we the pro raw feeding lobby but i i just don't think this is a great article at all what do you guys what do you think yeah i think yeah let's be fair i found a couple of references in it um but some of them are interesting references to say the least and we're going to talk about that as we go through uh the thing and i think you know we owe it to all of the guys that are watching tonight to really sort of explore, you know, the debate uh, and, you know, hopefully show the science as to why we've been talking for years about this and why we've shared that over the last 18 months with you guys watching. Um, and we do appreciate you viewing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that's going to be really interesting tonight between the three of us. That's the problem with today. We don't have any debate. It's not welcomed. Debate is not welcomed. It's like, you know, the, 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 the rules are handed down now. Science is handed down on stone tablets. I've said that before. And we've replaced bloody, in Ireland at least, Catholic priests with scientific priests. And either way, uh, it seems like you're just being handed the laws and then, you know, uh, don't ask too many questions. And when information does come out that is seen to debate a, a topic, it's just so bereft of any solid science. And it's very frustrating because... You, you, I'm not promoting myself here, but I wrote a book about this. I said, here's the science that as much as we have. And then, like, they just don't read it. It's just like, well, no, we won't deal with that. We'll just keep coming up with these uh, scary pieces, which I think the three of us have done very well to stay away from for the last year, because this is their modus operandi. This is what they do. They, they sling poo like chimpanzees in a zoo. And so you just keep your blinkers on and ignore it. But now and again, as Nick is saying, you need to kind of just tackle them and kind of say, okay, here's the latest piece that their side is sharing. Like, it's just been like, oh, check it out. This is fantastic. So uh, we're going to go through it as fairly as we can with you guys and uh, and show where we might see some issues or if they score any points. That's perfectly fine. That's what science is about. You know, you're not always going to be right. But this piece in particular is uh, is just uh, anger-inducing for sure. Um, so absolutely. Um, listen, guys, we're on pacteon.com forward slash raw pet medics price of a cup of tea uh, or a beer even uh, in today's uh, today's rates would be fantastic and we deeply appreciate it if you can if you can't no stress we're here every week anyway uh, it's always going to be the same um, but guys should we just get straight into it tonight I have a feeling that we're going to be going on here this is a this is this is going to take time it's going to be juicy who wants to start us off I've gone through it and I've highlighted and it, there's more highlight than there is anything else on, on this this thing right. I think That's there's fun. a lot I'm really just disappointed that he didn't give us, or they, the authors, there's two authors, didn't give us any references. You know, they, they're, they're claiming that it could be science, and they're saying, they, they even say that it's 
pseudoscience. Where do they mention about pseudoscience? Anyway, somewhere they mentioned that this is definitely pseudoscience. Well, if you're going to give us science authors, then please give us the references. That's how science works. I'm going to start at the beginning. Stop. The title irritates me. Raw feeding. So they're, they're, they're immediately getting off to, a, a, they're, they're being diminutive. They're being um, patronizing. The raw, raw feeding trend, it's not a trend. It's been around for 40 years. And prior to that, dogs were doing it for 45 million years. So I really, really don't think it's a trend. And then they say the next word is can. Can cause real harm to your pet and to you. So they say without any references, without any science, they're saying it can cause harm. And they're not justifying it. So I find that very, very irritating. Quite apart from the fact that if there are between one and two million dogs in the UK being fed some more all raw food, we're not seeing. With, with one or two million dogs every single day are getting raw food. Where are the casualties? If it's that dangerous, E. coli, salmonella, bones, all that kind of stuff, we're not seeing those casualties. So um, I, that's my little rant about the title. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say uh, alongside that, you know, we're back into this whole risk aversion. I mean, a light switch can cause you real harm because it can electrocute you. How often will it do that? Very rarely. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what the stats are on the number of deaths from flicking a light switch, but, you know, I'm sure there are some. Um, yeah. And, you know, where do we stop with that? Yeah. Absolute, you know, that's, that's a real sort of science get out, isn't it? Um, it is. It's because like, it could possibly, yeah. you know, show you know, me something that, Sundays. Show me something that can't. Water can kill you if you drink enough of it. I mean, raw vegetables are <laughs> one of the most highest coked on items. Do we put out vegetables from the diet? Uh, raw vegetables, yeah. fresh fruit and veg, top causes salmonella, listeria, E. coli, top them out because they can harm you. Bloody anything can harm you. It's such a, it's such a yeah. rough little start. Allowing your kids to roll on the grass outside yeah. might allow them to pick up an infection yeah, from yeah. dead soil. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, they could say that dry food can kill your pet because it absolutely does. You know, en masse, tens of thousands of pets of cats and dogs killed by dry pet food. I think less than 10, you could count six kittens from TB and one or two dogs from raw dog food, perhaps. Uh, and that was from irradiated raw dog. So, like, I mean, you're, you're talking a body count. If you're talking about things that can harm, let's look at the other side of the debate. But anyway, talking about this article. We've only got to the title. <laughs> Guys, in the old days when I was doing, when I was doing lectures, I would say, uh, you know, uh, there are many things that can cause harm. There is a statistic from the Royal Society for Prevention of Accidents, okay, ROSPA, the, in, in the UK for, uh, for Michelle and all the guys in the States, and they, ha they have statistics on what, what causes harm, uh, uh, injuries to people. And there's about six people every year uh, get injuries from putting on their pants in the morning. Oh, and beca because of that, we are not all going round commando. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not working. See, all the Americans are going, well, why would you be going commando <laughs> if you're having difficulty putting your trousers on? <laughs> pants means your underpants, guys. This means yeah, your yeah. So, yeah. What do they call pants in the States? Uh, Michelle? I don't know. I'm sure these guys are going to find out. Your undies. Yeah. 
So yeah. come on, Nick, let's, uh, let's go through the first paragraph here. It may surprise you to hear that what you choose to feed your dog is a hugely emotive subject. It is one aspect of that huge debate concerns one of the fastest growing trends, uh, although I'm putting those in commas for them, the feeding of a raw meat diet. Proponents of a raw diet are often evangelical about the purported health benefits. Uh, believe That's it you, Connor. Yeah, absolutely. You. Believe it to be more natural and claiming that it is how wolves eat in the wild. If Nick, if you haven't thought of something to say there, can I just say something on the wolves bit? Absolutely, John. Yeah. He goes into wolves a bit further down as well. Okay, so we, let's just knock it on the head at the moment. I okay. literally don't know anybody. When I'm talking to you guys, I'm talking to any other canine nutritionist, when I'm in the forums, when I'm talking to anybody, nobody talks about wolves. None of us are talking about wolves. We've never used it as an example. Maybe some children at some stage have used it. Doesn't this dog look like a wolf? Yeah, he actually does a bit. So, uh, but nobody in this world is using holding up a grey wolf and going, well, if the grey wolf ate it, we can eat it. No, or the dogs can eat it. That'd be like holding up a chimpanzee and saying, well, you know, we were them five million years ago. Well, like, why don't we eat leaves? Nobody is doing that. Nobody's talking about wolves. A couple of, in, like, you know, raw feeding companies will put a picture of a wolf on the front of their packet and dry foods will call it wolf cooker. So there's a couple of tenuous links to people using the terminology. But I'm telling you, Nobody, no book that's been written in the last 20 years is making too much insinuation about, raw, uh, about wolves. But the fact remains, these were wolves, let's say, 40,000 years ago, which is not a long time ago. And today, everybody is looking at the dingo, not the wolf. We know the wolf is a complete carnivore. We know the 37 subspecies of wolves are all carnivores that have popped out from the gray wolf in the last, whatever, 100,000 years. All carnivores, we'll ignore all that. But in the last 4,000 years ago, we have a dingo, which was a domestic dog 4,000 years ago. So nobody's really talking about the wolf. Now we're looking at dingoes going, well, look, these guys are domestic dogs. Clearly, Papua New Guinea singing dogs who came down from that little bit down into, uh, down into Australia two to 4,000 years ago. And these guys, total carnivores. And now we're only talking two to 4,000 years ago. So gone is this 40, 50,000 years ago proto-dog, wherever he came from. Now it's like, well, we can look at dingoes if we're talking about ancestry. But so few of us even spend any time talking about ancestry because you have biology and physiology and all the other cool stuff, diet studies of what the dog actually eats when he's left to his own devices, all this useful stuff. That is thrown in there by the opposite side as a red herring. The other side talk about wolves all the time. No, they bloody don't. That is, well, BS, that's why he hasn't linked the point. There hasn't been like the Raw Feeding Veterinary Society holding up grey wolves and, and rattling on about them. There's no link to any reputable canine nutritionist going on about wolves. They can't come up with one because it doesn't happen. They use it as well. Well, he's honestly not a wolf. And they go, and everyone goes, yeah, of course he's not a wolf. Yeah, great point. But totally unlinked nonsense. It really annoys me. It's like, this is what they always talk about. Have you ever listened to us? Have you ever engaged us in the conversation? Like, it's just such a nonsensical uh, thing to be saying, talking about the wolf. Uh, so it, it annoys me, and the fact remains, he was a wolf 40,000 years ago. It is a long line of carnivores. The grey wolf was a carnivore for 5 million years before he branched out. So, like, a perfectly valid point. It is interesting that he came from a long line of, of carnivores. So that's my, that's my rant. Talk about the dingo, which is only two to 4,000 years ago. Let's not talk about the wolf. Uh, only the opposite side do that. And they do have that conversation, but they are determined to use the genetic argument of there is a possibility that they can produce um, certain enzymes because they've got the genetic makeup to do that uh, with the amylases that could therefore process carbohydrates. Well, that's fairly common across a number of um, you know, uh, mammalian species. But more importantly, don't have the anatomy changed to allow them to function like that. 
you literally, dogs still chomp, chomp, swallow. They do not, they cannot move their jaws from side to side. It's up and down and swallow. That's it. There's no grinding out and creating a bolus for the amylase to be active on the food. There is, you know, a stomach that's a simple stomach through to a small intestine and large intestine, which has got yes. no areas for wow. fermentation of any significance. Yes, of course, they can become flatulent. And yes, there is a degree of bacterial activity, but there's not nothing which will create loads of butyrates and fatty acids from that digested carbohydrate sourcing. And you've ended up with a situation where you know, they've only got a gut length two and a half to three times their body length. They've not even got a gut length the size of an omnivore, you know, of 11 times their body length, and certainly not a complex herbivore of, you know, 18 times their body length. So I think, you know, they're being a bit disingenuous to say, oh, look how we've managed to evolve these dogs in 4,000 years or 10,000 years if they want to go a bit further back, because I've heard some quotes for, you know, dogs being kept that long ago. They're actually you know, we would in that shorter period of time truly be able to evolve a dog to change its ability to eat different materials yeah. significantly. Dogs have been choosing their own partners. Everything about them is screams meat eating. When you let them off the lead, they want to eat meat. Like studies of feral dogs show they eat meat. Everything about their physiology, every other process in their body is carnivory. And yes, they've taken some tiny little evolutionary steps, which is interesting. And Darwin would have given us IT to see that. But is that a reason to force feed them 60% corn every single day? I mean, it's bloody idiotic. You could, as everyone says, I can digest ethanol and sucrose. It doesn't mean 50% of my diet should be rum and cookies. It's so obvious. And we know it's just ridiculous that they, they leap onto such a tiny little evolutionary step. And that is used as the defense for this food. And it's like, okay, well, what were you using for the defense from 1950 to 2014 when that study came out? What were those 64 years? What was the reason for you doing Anyway, um, Nick, sorry, what was, what's your next paragraph? I've just been looking for the Axelson study because um, they look at, you know, a, a dog has got about 20,000, you know, humans got 20, 22,000. Dogs got a similar uh, number of genes, um, which is a lot less than they thought they were going to find, but that's another story. Um, of those, three are to do with the digestion of starches. Three genes. Whoa. As Connor says, just because you can digest it doesn't mean it's good for you. Um, uh, uh, Patton comes along and he says it's actually by feeding dogs a high carb diet, you are not only changing their metabolism and you know predisposing to weight. Yeah, 80% of dogs are overweight or obese, but not only that, you're changing their their microbiome because they are not designed to eat that much carbohydrate. Therefore, you are causing the dog harm by affecting their microbiome. You change the microbiome, you change their mind, their behavior, their, 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 their brain processes. You change the microbiome, you change their immunology. Look at the amount of autoimmune disease we've seen over the last 30 years. So these kibble foods are responsible for much, much, much disease. The three of us, take dogs from kibble onto raw on a regular basis, and we see remarkable improvements in health. And also, everybody you talk to who have done that same process of going from kibble to raw, they say 99% of those people will say yes. Within two weeks, we saw remarkable and, and long-lasting improvements in the yeah. dog's health. So, okay, um, 
I've got another Let's one. Go These yeah. diets have been developed by scientists and tailored to the lifestyle, yeah. size, age, and activity level of various dog breeds. Yeah, right. So, uh, so Skinners. That's you know that's that's been tailored to uh, different ages, breeds, activity levels. I don't think so. Um, uh, bakers. It's just cheap. Most people buy their food on price, and when I say price, they go for the the best value possible, i.e. The low price, and these are not really that tailored. Royal Canon, when they came out with poly food, you know they do it for various breeds, which I think is pretty much rubbish, by the way. But the the the, the uh, poly the poly formula in the UK was different from the poly formula in Canada. What kind of nonsense is this? So it, so I, I I reject that. Yeah. And just in case you think this is just us ranting about this, some of you guys will see me posting some of the um, references. This particular reference isn't written by anybody who's pro-raw. This is written by Mike Davies, um, one of the board nutritionists in the UK. He tested all of those scientifically put together to FEDIAF guideline foods. And what did he find? You know, there was only 38% of dog food that were at all compliant and actually i believe it was something ridiculous like 90 something percent which were uh, had some mineral um, imbalances within them then there were some the other way which were to the excess and we know there's a famous yeah. withdrawal because of excess vitamin d that went on a few years back you know there's these are the things that you know we've got to watch out for they will impact the health of our yeah. pets so yeah. yeah just just be aware so have a look at some of those references that we're posting in uh, thanks to Nick for sharing some of those as well. Yeah. So that you cool. And if you want more references, the place to go is Dog Risk. If you if you uh, look up Dog Risk, Dog Risk is the um, the, uh, the 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 group at Helsinki University uh, who we we we've met and we've we've uh, worked with uh, uh, on RPM, the world leading researchers on looking at uh, raw food, and they're doing also comparisons between raw food and kibble food. They do a lot of work with staffies, and what they've done is they've, they've, they've fed them a kibble diet and taken bloods and seeing what the well, metabolic um, pathways, one of the metabolic elements within the blood, and compared that with, with those same dogs when they take them onto a raw food diet. And things like, for example, homocysteine, which is associated with many disease processes, drops when those dogs go onto a raw food yeah. diet. So yeah. the, one of the lines in the in the paper just that we're that we're looking at says there is no evidence. I'm sorry, guys. Please do your homework. There is quite a lot of evidence. Yeah. There are not hundreds of thousands of papers. We've only just got going with this stuff, but there yeah. are substantial papers. So please, yeah. saying there's no evidence. Yeah, that statement is factually incorrect. Here's a statement from the let's say fourth paragraph. There are no proven benefits to feeding raw meat to your dog over good quality commercial pet food. That is absolutely incorrect. As Nick just alluded to, where they started looking at the gene expression in staffies, and they found that those uh, dogs had more uh, ectopic dermatitis when they've, been, when they've been started off from dry food and that kind of thing. And there was something about pups as well they found. And that was after a big survey they did in 2014-15, where like 80-90% of people that dumped the raw for health, health skin benefits saw a benefit and so they wanted to explore that and find out what it was and now we're finding the solution to say the studies don't exist is an absolute lie the studies do exist and there's a multitude of smaller work where we put in fish oil the dogs do better we put in some leafy greens and dark orange things they have less cancer we put in some blueberries and they're 
uh, their output is better. When they're sled dogs, we put in this and they do better. We put in this and they do better. But there's a bevy of studies of anecdotal evidence. But what they do is they say, where is your evidence? Raw has no science. So what they have done is they have left to this alien, ridiculous product on dogma alone because there is no science supporting ultra processed cereal-based pet food for meat-eating dogs. But they leap to this position and then they say, you've now got to prove it via the best of science and to prove what we're doing is wrong. And it's like, sorry, you're the one with the product. It's up to you to prove it's safe and nutritious for, uh, for pets. It's not for us. You're the one supporting the product. We're over here doing the same thing we've been doing all the time. But they have switched it. The argument is now, you don't have science. We've got all this bullshit science here. Look at it all. Uh, don't read it, but look at it. You will never produce enough studies for people that write articles like this because they are entrenched and they will not listen. They, are, they just can't be wrong at this stage. So I don't really believe a good enough study will ever come out that they'll go, oh, oh okay, that's interesting. Because they never needed that to get to where they are today. And uh, so saying there's no science is, is the proof that they are completely uh, blindfolded because they haven't read the studies that have come out in the last two or three years. So it's incorrect to say they're factually incorrect. I don't know of any papers where that, that the billion-dollar uh, big food industry have demonstrated that kibble is superior to raw. Do you know of any? No. Like one. There is not. There's a, there's a, there's a study of dogs fed uh, ground-up rabbits. Remember that study? It was cats, I think. And they tried to say well, this was complete raw, and they fed the same bloody rabbit for about nine months, which is not the best BC to feed to a cat because rabbit and lamb happy to be the two meats that have the least amount of taurine in them. That aside, you wouldn't just feed one prey animal for nine months. That's their example of a raw diet. It's not a well-made raw diet. It wasn't a complete raw off the shelf. An 80-10-10 mix of any caliber would do the job. You don't do those studies. So there isn't, Nick, in answer, I know this for a fact. There's not a single study that shows cereal-based pet food benefited a dog over a, nor a normal fed dog when they compared two groups. That head-to-head only exists in the opposite direction where the homocysteine study, the gene expression in staffies and a few other little interesting things, uh, group biota stuff is coming out now. Um, they, they go on to say, and I'm sorry, I'm just reading the, this piece here, guys. I'm sorry, I don't mean to hog mm -hmm. it. They say like uh, there are major flaws in the logics and beliefs of the raw feeding movement, which put it firmly in the pseudoscientific camp. Ironic words there. Uh, firstly, when it comes to being more natural, in inverted commas, we need to understand that dogs are not merely tame wolves. That's the second time they've mentioned that, and we're only on the fifth paragraph. Underneath that is, dogs are not tame wolves. It's like, oh, please, this is just awful. It really is. This is a pure car crash. Secondly, much of the movement is based on conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theories! They love saying that, though. Conspiracy theory. That vets and dog food matches are deliberately making your pets sick so they can make more money treating diseases. Again, nobody at the top honestly believes that. Nobody believes that the vets of the coalface are doing this on purpose to make pets sick. We believe that the industry above them may bloody well know that these studies exist, such as don't be feeding carbohydrates to people with chronic pancreatitis, cancer, and all that kind of stuff. They know those studies exist. They're not percolating down to vets. Nobody believes the vets at the coalface doing that. They put that in there to inject a bit of emotion so people can round on each other and have this polar, shitty world that we live in and pointing at each other across the gulf. Nobody believes vets are out there making pets sick on purpose. Unfortunately, their bad information on nutrition might inadvertently do that. We don't think they're doing that on purpose. We know vets care for pets. That's just bullshit they put in there to, to twist the knife and make people more angry than they need to be. Yeah, can I just keep my tinfoil hat out of the way just for a moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> keep it on. Emperor's new clothes. It's there yeah. already. 
Yeah, it's it's it's, it's just it's <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> but like you know, he goes into dogs are not tame wolves. Then I'm just going to skip all that. But it's interesting that when Mars Pet Food um, did the study and said, right here, dogs eat ad lib from protein, fat, and carb. Take what you want. And initially, the dogs pigged out on fat because it's such a high value item, really good energy. But when there's chances to eat fat in the wild, get eaten it because, you know, energy is hard to find. But then they found after a while, they tapered off the fat and they included more protein. You know how much carbohydrates these cereal-fed pet, uh, dogs included in their diet willingly? 7%. So these are already cereal-fed dogs. You'd think that they'd be geared up to eat cereal, but when given a chance, 7%. So Mars, the dogs were telling Mars pet food, we only like 7% carbs in our diet. Uh, did that change their remedies overnight or their recipes overnight? No, it didn't. And then um, Mark Roberts did the study again using more real food, and they included more protein and fat, slightly less carbs again. What's, what's next, Nick? What, what left off the page for you next? Okay. So risks is the next thing. So they talk about risks, but actually nobody ever has quantified the risk of raw dog food. Yeah, they've tried. However, they say the, the, the tired old uh, adage of raw meat can be contaminated with parasites, protozoa, and bacteria, including E. coli and salmonella. And we know that there is a certain bacterial load in meat, and I think it's a very, very good thing, actually. And we know that dogs can cope with that because we see millions of dogs in the UK being fed on these, these raw food diets. And and they do, they have as many or less problems with gastroenteritis and, and, and what have you than the kibble-fed dog. It does go on to say there is, there is a, a really interesting study that's, that they looked at cleaning, and this has been shared a few times recently. They took some meat and it wasn't dirty enough, so they inoculated it with salmonella. Yes, yeah. they actually inoculated it with salmonella in order to get it dirty enough, to make the plates dirty enough so that they could do the study. They then uh, tried washing up the bowls and then they tried sticking it in the, in, the, in the dishwasher and they just couldn't get rid of the salmonella is essentially what it is. If that is the case, that would mean that all meat, whether it's from the supermarket, from the butcher or, or whatever, wh whenever it touches a surface, you're never gonna get that clean. That's the implication there. And Therefore, the only answer to that problem would be for us all to go vegan tomorrow, and that's not going to happen. I wouldn't. Oh no, no, you can't even say that because what's the biggest cause of E. coli yes, yeah. in humans? Yes, it's vegetables. Yes, yeah. you know, unwashed they, veg. I can't believe they did. Uh, I can't believe they made the meat dirtier to get the study over the line. Uh, look, we're being honest. The two references that they've used in their article. I'm more than happy to post for you guys to look at to see the accuracy of, you know, that's what science is about. Be rounded, have a look at all of yeah. that. But yeah, yeah that they, made me chuckle. I can't believe they're the two studies they've used so far. There, that's what you link to. I mean, there's so much evidence for dry food. That's your, they're your big guns. If I was writing a piece like this for any, I would have my big guns ready to go. It's like, they're knock it out of the park. You know, each paragraph, here's a couple of studies. But you just cannot, like, they don't have to use good quality science. They just have to pretend. Whereas when we were making a point, like the Raw Feeding Veterinary Society's positional statement on, on raw feeding, check it out, everybody. It was written by you guys. It was just so, it's written like somewhere between a scientific paper and, uh, and just, a, just a very well-structured well piece. Compare that Raw Feeding Veterinary Statement to a statement made by the other side. They ignore the two colossal studies that came out. 
one from Helsinki University, one by Nikki Desacrantis, recently uh, in, in New Jersey. And it showed Nikki Desacrantis 5,500 responses, give or take. Uh, Helsinki 16,500 responses. Huge surveys. And the overall response was incredibly safe. These are people that have been raw feeding for years. So it ends up being lots of dogs over many years, millions of meals, and it's incredibly, incredibly safe. But they don't mention that in their piece because they're not trying to do you a service. They're trying to make a point. They should have been fair and said, in fairness, the, re the results of these two mega surveys, which have never been done on dry food, by the way, only on raw food, we do it, they don't. Uh, they could have put that in to be fair, but they haven't got the guts for the moral standing. So that bothers me that they leave that out. Again, selective use of science by these. Um, Every single paragraph in this article is very suspicious. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Here's another one. Here's another one, Nick. Here's a dangerous line, guys. Additionally, raw feeding has been linked to nutritional imbalances, gastrointestinal issues, and antimicrobial uh, resistant bacteria. Full stop. There's no link to any of that. He manages to this person manages to link other ridiculous points, but when it says raw feeding has been linked to nutritional imbalances, link it. Show us the study. Show us the evidence you're talking about. Show me how you gathered that. Show me what the instance of, of that, what's the prevalence of nutritional imbalances when people are raw feeding, gastrointestinal issues from raw and dry doesn't, is that the insinuation? So the key points in this article are not linked out. They just make these statements and then they have to go on to something else. It just hangs there like a bad smell and it's enough for people because it's written in a scientific manner. But you have to link out those key points. If you're going to say something causes something, you have to link those words and let me track the study and go, wow, in a survey of a thousand raw feeders, 150 of them, had nutritional issues diagnosed by a vet. Well, that's interesting, but they don't have that information because it doesn't exist. So I hate when they say things like that and don't link those key bits. You know, that's the very telling. I despair, guys. It says, concerningly, in one study looking into uh, raw frozen samples, they found that they all carried bacteria that were resistant to many antibiotics. Well, that's because the meat production system in the UK and in the state needs to clean up their act. But the thing is, again, we're not seeing casualties. So, um... And now we've raw safe. Raw safe has just taken that yeah. and said, these guys now have to blow zero with random audits. Could you imagine a dry food company doing that? They would never sign up for something like this. Our industry, thanks to Brendan and the team, and Co, uh, that, you know, come up with this. It's like, well, we will grab the bull by the horns. We went through that last week, and it's like, what a... What an advancement for the industry to say, look, we are going to produce such clean products, which is not easy to do when your bloody ingredient chain has issues. You have to process that without doing any chemicals and stuff. So it is so hard to produce this product. Packed off again to those raw producers that step forward to do that. And I just had a, a debrief with one of the inspectors and he said, hands down, he's seen, you know, that the ones that he's looked at, the best level of um, manufacturing he's seen in a, uh, Ooh, a yeah. food manufacturer's situation. He was a little bit scared about what he might see because he's seen some human food producers which have been worse. And so, you know, going in, he said it was a breath of fresh air seeing just how enthusiastic they were for getting a great product from start to end and, you know, and cool. doing all of the due diligence on where those ingredients are going from and two, and how they're packaged, etc. So, you know, I'm waiting, you know, we've got people starting to go out there, we, we've, we're now rolling that out some more, and yeah, so they get an initial one which is going to be organised so that people know what to do and how to create it, 
but then there's another random one just thrown in so that nobody's oh. doing all of the stuff and yeah, sweeping yeah. all of the stuff under the carpet, you know, thinking that's it. No, they get a random visit as well. Scary. You know, so they're getting two visits in the year. Each year they're getting then um, the ability to for us to advance this and, and create new standards going forward, but something that we're looking to roll out, not just oh, across yeah. the country, but effectively being able to roll out even further. And we, we would invite Kibble companies to do the same, to have random random inspection. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm. I think, yeah. I yeah. think that would be a really, really healthy thing to do. You want to join food at that level, at that standard that RawSafe is overseeing, then let us know and we'll put you yeah. in touch. Those, those, uh, those extruding companies uh, are, are really clean, guys. They look like a hospital. It's a completely self-contained system. And it's like something out of bloody Superman from the 1980s, like this machine. It's like, holy shit, everything is totally self-contained. So in its defense, that system, this ultra-processing system that they have can be very impressive. I'm sure there's bad examples as well. But their product sits in a little warm bag and then gets shipped around in containers and sits in a hot, sweaty pet shop and then is opened and left open for two or three weeks while storage mites and facts start to rank decay. Now let's sample your product when the pets and the humans are handed. Because at the end of the day, when humans get salmonella from pet food, 132 in 2006 to 2016, and in that time, raw food caused zero. Uh, but 132 cases, half of them were toddlers under two years of age. So dry pet food's problem is not so much the the processing of the product because it's in insanely just hospitals situations for us. Their problem is that this gank product that goes out the door, that they don't test when it goes out the door, as Hills proved, 22 million cans went out excess in vitamin D without a single check. 22 million cans from one company alone. And that's the best they've got. Uh, so this product sits in the, in, the, in, the, in the cupboard open and that's their problem. We don't do that with raw dog food. Hell no. We've got it two or three days in the fridge and then we're getting it into the dog where it's going in the bin. You know, so we handle our products and food very, very carefully. Who does that with Kemble? Nobody. So that's their, that's their problem, but they don't talk about shelf life. They don't talk about longevity, quality of fat after being open for a week. And certainly don't talk about microbial contamination, storage mites, aflatoxin, vomitoxin. The aflatoxins, I've been looking at that over the last week. So did you know 20 parts per billion is supposed to be the limit for mm. aflatoxins within food and coffee beans and all of those things taken in by humans and in pet food. So if you guys ever open that bag of food and you know, you know, these penicillin-based um, fungi grow on you know, carbs like nobody's business. I mean, just imagine if you left bread in the bottom of that food bin, how quickly would that become moldy, okay? Yeah. So you just think about if you've opened biscuit food and none of these guys will have opened biscuit food in probably quite some time but if they're you know if you want to put your neighbors off feeding kibble to their dog just get them to check what happens to a piece of bread in the bottom of their uh, food bin that they empty their bag of food into um you know when they get back down to the bottom and if it's turned blue and slightly moldy maybe they need to rethink the level of aflatoxins that are going to be within their dog's food. Remember the story about uh, the Mars factory, that's Mars, uh, where they put in phosphine gas alarms in the factory. And the person was saying, why do you have alarms for a gas that is highly poisonous? They used to use that in the concentration camp. It's a highly noxious gas because it kills aflatoxins. And one guy's job with a cloth mask on his face was spraying the, the moldy grain coming in with phosphine gas. Talk about using the worst possible chemical 
And so the phosphine gas alarms in the factory. So when the phosphine gas got too high in the factory, the, the people were known. But like you are that 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 is a is a terrifying kind of anecdote. Okay, guys, because Connor is not going to mention his book, which is stuffed with references to support the argument that kibble is less healthy than raw and fresh food, I'm going to do that for him. It's by him, Dr. Connor Brady, and it's called Feeding Dogs. With the authors of the piece that we that we put uh, in the, on the Skeptic website, could they have a read of that and then come back to us? We would love to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Any other thoughts, boys? Look, the, the one thing about them engaging with raw feeders, um, did you read the, uh, did you ever get to the end of the article or did you just blow up in a That's rage? It. We, did yeah, we got to the bottom, <laughs> we got to the bottom, yeah. Because there was that engaging raw feeders little bit at the bottom, which just made me well, very patronizing, isn't it? It's just sort of like, oh, well, yeah. just talk along to them and pretend that you're interested, but then tell them to feed the kibble food. Yeah. Uh, just like, yeah. Or vets, <laughs> or vets guys, taking information guys. from us. You know, it's like, yeah. is that the advice they're giving vets at the cold face? It's like, just nod politely, have your awake glasses on. Behind it, you can be fast asleep, but the eyes are open on the glasses. Mm. And nod politely until the raw feeder goes away. or uh, They're not picking up what you're putting down. It must be so stressful for them. You know, they don't have any sensible guidance. They're being sold a pull. Their information is incorrect. And then they get an, a nonsense article like this that if they read anything, they probably read that because they want to confirm their bias. They've been working 12, 14 hours a day. They're stressed out of their brains. They don't have time to read all the evidence. So let's read something that you assume the person is doing you a favor and has read the evidence for you. So you naturally read stuff that confirms your biases. We love a bit of uh, confirmation bias, you know. So uh, what, do, what do vets do, you know, because if they're not being given any advice on how to handle us, you know. Um, <laughs> just, it's, it's sad. I don't see it getting any better. It's so negative. Uh, there was a great man, I think it was Lincoln, said, a man who can't change his mind can't change anything. Ah, good. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. I think... Um, I yeah. think let, let's let's finish on that. So, uh, is it back to Q and A next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I have a vast amount of stuff ready to go. That sounds good. I enjoyed yeah. that. Brilliant, great stuff. Yeah. Thank Anybody you, who wants to, who likes what they've heard tonight, and they want to support us, please go to our yeah. Patreon page, um, Patreon forward slash Raw Pet Medic. Um, just as Thomas says every week, you know, for the price of a cup of coffee. Um, you know, you can support us. You know, you can go down to minimal levels. There's no need to huge amounts. And we love to see your comments on there. Lots of information, some of the references from tonight. Uh, there's lots of other stuff that we're sticking on there. And there will be the back catalogs as well. Uh, people are starting to get a bit stressed that they're not easy to find on Facebook. And we're going to be having to re put them uh, somewhere easy to, to see. Uh, and thanks for Pete. You know, for all of your sound advice, for those of you listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple, um, you know, it's great uh, that you're supporting us there um, and look forward to speaking to you next week. Yep. Thank you very much. Awesome. Bye-bye. <laughs>